Hello everyone, this is the prestigious one here and welcome to part 5 of our instructional series known as how to become a professional wrestler. Um, we've talked about some important stuff so far, um, but today we're going to be talking about making your debut. Um, and as you can tell from the previous episodes, there's a lot of time and a lot of work, a lot of consistent hard work that goes into it before you even think about approaching this stage. But at the end of the day, um, it really does come down to this one thing that, again, I think I've spoke about this before. Uh, I went to university to study business. And really, to be honest with you, the benefit of being there wasn't necessarily the course itself. It's the people you're hanging around with because my entire business degree could have been summarized in one diagram, which is basically the relationship between supply and demand. And how that relates to making your debut in professional wrestling is that at the end of the day, um, we are wrestlers hoping to supply our services, our professional wrestling services, in the hope that there's enough market demand for us to fill. You know, making your debut is not something that is owed to you. The professional wrestling business owes you absolutely nothing. Um, so always keep that in mind. At the end of the day, you are being booked if you're fortunate enough to get booked. Well, I shouldn't say fortunate. If you've worked hard enough to be valuable enough to get booked, then basically it's to boost someone else's business, i.e. the promoter. Um, so when, you, when I, you think about getting bookings, that's kind of how you need to approach this thing. At the end of the day, it is a, a business. It's the professional wrestling business. So always try to try to keep that in mind. You know, a lot of people think, well, you know, it's not fair. I've been wrestling for, I've been training for a year now and I've not made my debut yet, whereas this person has made their debut already. It's not fair. Life is not fair, especially in business. It should be uh, not. It's all, all's fair in love and war. Sorry, all's fair uh, in love and war and business and professional wrestling. So basically, just kind of. Uh, sorry, I'm a little distracted there. My dog is uh, scratching away on the door there. Um, he's gonna have to take a little time out while we do this. Uh, this podcast. But basically, that's kind of the first thing I want to just get out there is to, there's a real kind of, I feel there's a kind of expectation. Um, and you just can't be like that. You have to come at it from the point of what am I going to supply to the market that's not already there? And as a trainee, that's a, that's a tough thing to do. Um, what I've seen, this is what I will say, are you going to be a better wrestler than, you know, Kenny Omega? Um, I'm going to almost guarantee that that's a no. You know what I mean? You're not you're not going to be the best wrestler in the world coming out of the training school, no matter how athletic and how technical you are, because some things in professional uh, wrestling only come with experience, um, experience of, of having matches in front of crowds. So when it comes to making your debut and the match itself, of course you want to impress in what you're doing in the ring, but all but just know that. Be comfortable in the fact that you're not the finished article yet. You are always a working progress, but especially in your debut. When you're making your debut, no one is looking for you to have like a, a five star match. And I'm not saying that you you know you shouldn't aspire to have that uh, at some point. But I'm just saying for your debut, what you want to do is you want to do what you do well. 
less is more, I feel. I think if you can, you know, have a few things in mind that you want to do that you've worked out with your trainer, that you've practiced many times and you can execute effectively time after time, your debut is the place to do it. So the in-ring stuff, we can talk about that in a separate episode about exactly how you would approach that. But what I will say though, is although you can't be the best professional wrestler overnight, it is possible and I've seen it that you show up and you've got a better physique than everybody else on the show. That's one way to get immediately booked. I remember um, when I met Adam Maxted in Ireland in, I think, 2014, and he was still a trainee. I was, I think, my first year of active bookings. And I remember seeing, and because I've said it in the podcast before, I had to deal with a lot of kind of negativity and, um, you know, I suppose some jealousy about the spots that I got early on. I had to deal with that and I took one look at Adam and knew he was going to have to go through the same thing because, you know, when you show up and you're in better shape than every single other person on the roster, that's, I'm not talking about myself, I'm talking about Adam. Adam was in better shape than everybody else on the roster. He's going to get a spot because guess what? You can put him on a, a poster immediately. So, and especially if you're a trainee, the promoter's looking at that and going, right, so this guy here is in better shape than everybody else. Does it really matter how good his wrestling is. Of course it matters. But from the business perspective, from the promoter, they're not really thinking about that at this point in time. They're thinking about, my God, this guy's got this physique that we can put on a poster. What you can then do if you're in Adam's position in 2014 is over-deliver by raising your game beyond what the expectation level is. So if you can have a great physique, but then also deliver in the other areas, then, you know, safe to say you're probably going to get solid bookings for a long time to come. And that's exactly what's happened to Adam. He's worked hard at every single aspect of the game and improved every aspect of the game, but he walked in with a top-level physique. So that opened a lot of doors for him. Here's some other things that are going to open some doors for you. Have an over-the-top gimmick. That's what worked for me. I didn't have the best physique in the world. Uh, my wrestling at the time, you know, again, it was fairly basic. I felt I did what I did well enough, but it was the over-the-top gimmick, the promos, the music videos that got my foot in the door. The reason I'm telling you about that is because, again, the professional wrestling at the in-ring side of things, you're only going to be, uh, you know, very few ever become masters of the professional wrestling game. You know, it's something that eludes all of us. And, you know, I, I'll watch matches. I'll watch, you know, I watch uh, a lot of New Japan stuff and I'm watching, I'm thinking, you know, how can these guys execute that? How can these guys remember that? How can these guys... And it becomes a puzzle. You know, you watch these things and you break it down bit by bit. I'm doing the same with uh, Jonathan Gresham's YouTube channel. You know, he'll put, upload a 10-second clip and I'll watch it. And, you know, it'll take me 10 minutes to decipher exactly what's going on. But if you can be bothered to take the time to decipher that and then go back and learn it for yourself, then you've got some new some new tools in your arsenal. But the point is, you're always a student of the game. But I guess what I'm saying is the in-ring stuff, you can't be a master of that overnight. But what you can do is if you put in the work beforehand with your physique, you can't. it is possible for you to show up with a better physique than everybody else. Why is that not possible? That's absolutely possible. It's also possible for you to walk in with not necessarily the best gimmick, because again, art is subjective, but is if you can walk in with an over-the-top gimmick, ideally that is the complete opposite from everybody else. I'll give you my example. I went to CICW live and I saw everybody was hardcore. It was all it was basically, you know, it was it was kind of a it was almost a reincarnation of ECW. And then I thought to myself, my idea for what I was doing is 
What would happen if John Cena was in ICW? What would happen if you took his character at the time, which was, you know, basically the kind of PG child hero character? Um, how would he get on in ICW? And then I thought, you know, what if I applied those same philosophies that he does as a good guy, but it's obviously going to annoy the ICW audience. And that's where the basis for my local hero character came from, because I was trying to go in the opposite direction as everybody else. Also, what I did is I was fortunate enough that I knew a guy called Philip who was amazing with video editing. Um, I worked with a guy called Al who was who helped me to record my stuff with like the best microphones possible, like Nauman's microphones. If you're into your music, uh, if you're into your audio production, you'll know that's serious business. But I can record my own stuff now, thankfully. But at the time, I kind of looked, okay, I can't crack this wrestling thing overnight but I can make a name for myself in the professional wrestling business by taking care of these other things that, you know, maybe others aren't putting as much emphasis on, you know, because the tough thing is everybody's amazing in ring now, you know, it's, it's tough to keep up, you know, um, and it's, but it's something that we all have, we all have to do and we all have to continually work at. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to look, if you work hard in every single aspect of the game, that's the best way. That's eventually it's going to work out for you. And it always does. There's that saying, the cream rises to the top. And you're absolutely right. It does. But there are ways to get booked quickly. Have a great physique is one. If I'd have been in, you know, amazing shape, maybe I'd have ascended even quicker. Maybe I'd have got signed by WWE in 2013 at my first tryout. Who knows? Things worked out the way that they have. But my advice would be get yourself in the best physical condition possible. Come in with an over-the-top gimmick. And here's the other one. Just This will get you more bookings than being good at wrestling. I've spoken about this before, right? This is the main thing that will get you bookings in your first year. Being able to drive. Being able to drive. I've mentioned this once before, but it's so important to mention again, because being able to drive means that if you are a trainee and you are of a decent quality, guess what? Most pro wrestlers, I don't know if I can speak for in the American scene, but in the British professional wrestling scene, most people can't drive. So if you're a trainee that's decent, that can drive, and you're willing to do those long drives get people to the venue, you're willing to help out, set up the ring, take it down, then guess what? You're most likely going to get booked. Now, what I'm talking about is the kind of your your bookings beyond, you might be your training school show or basically the first, this is kind of the, the next set of bookings I'm talking about. So this isn't necessarily your debut. This is about setting up some bookings after that. But let's talk about the actual debut itself. Now, the very first episode that we did was about finding a reputable training school. Now, again, you really need to be honest with yourself and say, what is a reputable trainer? What is a reputable tra- training school but if you want to go through that process listen to the first episode basically the nuts and bolts of it are find a trainer who's actually done something in the professional uh, professional wrestling business that people know about whether it's a, a noteworthy individual is it someone who wrestles on tv is it someone who's got tv experience is it someone who's been in new japan in wwe in, in impact in roh or whatever does this person have some credentials to back up what they're saying has this person been you know on the camps for for 10 15 years is this person get consistent work or is this someone that doesn't get any work outside of the training school that they operate because if that's the case this is probably not going to be the place that you want to invest your time in your career you need guidance you need mentorship because you're about to walk into 
basic this alien environment that you're going to need guided through. And I just think if I didn't have the guidance I did when I got into the professional wrestling business, I dread to think of of where I would have ended up. But luckily, with the coaching I got, I was able to progress quite quickly. So before we talk about the actual debut and getting ready for it, let's just review some of the comments that we have so far. Um, thanks to Sean for subscribing. That's one year and one month. Uh, thank you very much for subscribing to the Twitch channel. And some people are excited for Manchester tomorrow, as am I. And I'll tell you, uh, basically people are referring to there's Defiant uh, tomorrow, our, our pay-per-view, if you will. Um, and it's going to be myself and Primate versus uh, Gabriel Kidd and Rory Coyle. Uh, I'll will, I will be doing an entrance for tomorrow. And guess what? I have finished the song. I have prepared some of the sections. But I will be filming the video after this um, when my girlfriend gets home because she needs to help me film it. And I will be likely editing through the night. Um, and I made a commitment to do more entrances. Um, and you know the sensible thing might be for me to just not do this podcast. But guess what? I made a commitment. I said I'm going to do one of these How to Become a Professional Wrestler podcasts every week. And I'm serious about that commitment, as I am with the other podcasts, as we are going to be with all content moving forward. Because for those who don't know, we have got a Patreon. It's going to be launching on February the 28th. We're very excited about it. We've got new projects to announce. Um, basically, that's kind of the the nuts and bolts of it. I won't bore you too much with the advert, but just look out for that. If you do want to support us, that's the way to do it. Or if you're watching on Twitch, use your Amazon Prime to link to your Twitch Prime. You can subscribe to the channel. It gives us uh, about uh, between 3 to $5, and it costs you absolutely nothing. It's Amazon that pay for it. So that's one way to support. Uh, but anyway, next comment. So uh, surely the beauty of wrestling is having guys on the card who can do the New Japan Super Junior stuff, and then the people who do the classic big guy stuff and everything in between, says Matt Green. Um, well, I suppose, uh, yes, in an ideal situation, you want to have a you know varied and balanced professional wrestling card, or you might be a specialist organization who wants to focus on one specific style of wrestling. It really depends what the goal is, You know what, what statement are you wanting to make. But what, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about, you know, that's, again, I'm not talking about doing New Japan Super Junior stuff and all that and classic big guy stuff at this point. I'm just talking about your first match, you know, your your very first match. So, of course, you got to have those goals in mind, but right now I just want to get it right back to basics. But we will come back to that. Maybe that's another podcast that we'll do on how to, you know, choose a style. And again, folks, I want to be clear. The reason that I'm doing this podcast is because I'm not happy with my place in professional wrestling. You know, I thought I'd be a little further down the line. I thought I might be signed to a major organization. Um, I have turned down deals in the past because I didn't feel I was ready for it at the time or it wasn't logistically possible in my mind to, to fulfill it. Um, I'll get into the details of that another day. But the point is, I am not what I want to be. It's nobody else's fault but my own, and I wanted to start this journey with you guys because I thought, listen, I need to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to be telling my fans, you know, do this, do that, the next thing. I'm going to be doing the same thing. So I'll give you a little update. What has been happening with me is I have been very focused on the gym right now. Um, you know, I may I may have spoken about it before. We've got a, a new puppy. Um, he is requires a lot of time, a lot of time investment. There's a lot of moving parts. We've got this Patreon coming on. We've got two podcasts and another thing that we're filming, which takes up a lot of time. There's a lot going on. Um, but I need to make sure I'm getting that gym in. So I have been going to the gym, at, I swear... I've been getting home at 4 a.m., half 4, 
like that sort of thing, you know, whatever it takes to get to the gym and get it done, I do it, you know, so I've been really excited about that, I've been really disciplined and I'm already noticing a huge change in my physique, I've been hitting personal bests, you know, on a on a weekly basis, like I say, I've only been doing this kind of new kind of exercise and fitness regime for about four or five weeks, but you will see tomorrow at Defiant, you will notice a slight change in my physique for the better. Um, it's a little bit slower than I wanted, but I guess that's the whole point of this series is I kind of have to listen to my own advice. It really, it's all about patience. Um, and you know, this, this progress, you can take shortcuts if you want, it's not for me. So I'm going to need to wait a very long time to see the kind of results that I want, but I'm willing to put in the hard work. It's very hard. It's very exhausting. The diet's very difficult, but I'm getting there. Um, today is one of those days where I felt like I lacked motivation today. Um, I really struggled to do it. And I was listening to, I think Chael Sonnen's a really good person to listen to because a lot of people talk about these grand aspects of getting yourself motivated. You know, I listen to like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger or The Rock or Gary Vee or Joe Rogan who are very good at inspiring you for the big picture. But sometimes that big picture is a little bit too far in the distance for me to relate to. You know, it's I understand that you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and The Rock and Joe Rogan are talking from a position of absolute success. That's why I'm thinking I can maybe be relatable for all of you because I've kind of, okay, I've done some stuff in the business, but I'm still, you know, nowhere near where I want to be. So hopefully you guys can identify with what I'm doing. But basically what I'm saying is Chael Sonnen basically takes this approach of, it's really all just about, you know, just go to training, just show up, just put one foot in front of the other, just get out and run, just do Okay, just do, just just make these behaviors and then eventually that consistency will come and then when that consistent solid work comes, as The Rock says, then the greatness will come. It's all about starting with that consistent work. So whenever I'm feeling down and I'm not motivated, i.e. the last few days, I just have to keep doing. I just have to be at the gym. I, I, I push it as best I can, but if, it's not, if I don't hit a personal best that day, I was there, I'm keeping the consistency going with the diet. So when I am energized, I'm ready to go again. But you just, the key thing is just to not throw in the towel when you're under-motivated. Just do, just get, just again, it's the Nike slogan, just do it. Just if you're feeling under-motivated, just look at the list of things you need to do. Because what I do is I get overwhelmed. I had a whole bunch of things to do today. And I think, how am I going to do this? And I don't know about you guys, but I spend probably about three to four hours overanalyzing, being anxious about the list of things that I need to do, having achieved none of them. When in fact, the best way to do it is go, okay, this is a lot of things to do. But once I get this little thing done, then it's going to be a smaller list and just keep going and keep going and keep going. Take a deep breath. And then by the end of the day, most of your stuff will be done and you're going to be feeling better about it. So the main thing is just keep going, keep doing, don't break that consistency. Even if for you listen to this podcast, consistency is going to the gym once a week, just don't stop. Even if it means you have to walk in the pissing rain at 4am to get to the gym to make it happen, I don't care if you're tired at work all day, you just have to get it done. And when you get it done, that sense of satisfaction that you stared that negativity in the face, you had the option to quit and you chose not to, good things are going to happen. Because our our motivation goes up and down. That's the thing that struggled with me. Like there have been times where I feel like I just feel like a world champion. You know, I feel like I can do anything. And then there's other times where I think, how did I get to this point? You know, I'm, I'm I, I I feel like I can't do anything. I feel like I can't get out of bed. I feel like I can't do any of these things. I feel useless. You know, so I feel from the very 
the most confident person you'll ever meet to, to just to just the I, I'm trying to think of a, of a word to use here, but just feeling the lowest of the low, just feeling worthless, if you will, and everywhere in between. And that's what I'm trying to tell you guys about the professional wrestling journey is, you know, it is the highest highs and it's the lowest lows, and you need to manage that. If you're gonna have if you have an awesome weekend of shows, the next day is probably gonna suck. But if you can recognize the next day is gonna suck, if you have a routine in place for yourself the next day, if you have a treat for yourself, then things probably aren't going to be so bad. Basically, the point I'm making, folks, is you do form the behaviors and the attitudes will will come with it. Fake it till you, till you make it, honestly. Like, I know a lot of people, I, what I don't mean is don't, like, you know, buy suits and, and cars and stuff that are out with your price range. Buy, fake it till you make it. What I mean is just, even if you don't feel like a world champion, just force yourself to attend the gym as many times as a world champion would. Okay, you might not be doing world-class work at the gym, but you've gone, you've built that consistency, and there's something to build on. Folks, this is a long journey, and you need to continue to chip away at it. Um, so, um, let me just look at some more of the comments. Uh, Sean's found a training school, and the teacher is currently uh, a member of NXT UK, so that's a very good place to start, very good place to start. James is saying he really hopes to get to wrestling school. Um once he's been medically clear, uh, medically cleared, excuse me. Um, so all the best for that, James. Um, also, thanks to uh, Simon and Sean for subscribing there. Um, James says he's been cutting down on sugar, which was, uh, you know, we talked about that extensively in the podcast. Good stuff. He's going for fish and fruit. Sounds great. Sounds excellent. Just make sure you keep an eye on the sugar within the fruit, though. So just don't go too crazy with the fruit portions every day. Um, but, you know, obviously you can have fruit every day, but just make sure you're not having, like, you know, 50 grams of sugar or whatever. Perry, I will be selling shirts at the show. Um, and Andre, hello, welcome back. Um, Maggle says, got a second booking in a couple of weeks. Well done. Um, Roscoe says, can someone post a link to subscribe? Can't seem to find it. Um, can someone kind of in the chat just explain how to do that on Twitch for me if you don't mind? Thank you. All right, so let's get back to the task at hand, which was uh, making your debut. So what I was talking about was ways to make yourself more bookable. But the truth is, the first booking that you're probably going to get is going to be as a direct result of your trainer. Um, that may be a, a connection that your trainer has. It may come from a recommendation. I will tell you if you can drive that that's going to, you know, multiply the chance of you getting booked because there will be a situation where someone goes, oh, I need someone. Um, if you've got anyone that can drive, I need to get four other people to show, three other people to the show. Can they do it? Um, so, you know, that's that's always going to help. But let's say it could be that or it could be at the training school show at the the place that you're training, which is that that's where I started. That's where a lot of people start. Um, what I will say is, don't be in a rush to debut. Again, someone very high up in the business gave me some advice and said, you know, for all the things you do well, you've got absolutely no patience. And he's absolutely right. And I wish I I listen to this person because right now the best thing for me to do is like i got two options in my position i can go around and say oh do you want to sign me do you want to sign me or i can remove myself from the situation get in the best shape i can have the best matches i can get new gear do more entrances build up my brand even more and then wait till 
you know, I'm a hot commodity, that's probably the way to go. Um, rather than trying to rush it. You know what I'm saying? It comes down to that supply and demand thing. At the end of the day, if there are if there isn't adequate demand for your services, then you need to do something to increase that demand. So if you are desperate to make your debut, think about why why are you trying to why are you trying to do that? Why do you want to rush your debut? For me, I started training in January. I debuted in a battle royal in October. I didn't have my first like full singles match till December. So really, it was pretty much waited an entire year to have a match in front of a crowd. And I'm really glad I did. Because what you need to understand is in this business, and again, I wish I'd listened to my own advice, because this kind of is now making me think about debuts I've made with other companies. Um, but first impressions really seriously count. They are seriously, seriously important. Do you and those first impressions they can last a lifetime. I can't stress to you how important these first impressions are. So if you get the option of debuting and you're not ready, then sometimes the best course of action is to go, no, it's it's not time and be mature enough to know that. There's a difference between stepping up to the plate for an opportunity when you can handle it and when the time is right. Like for me, I think the one that was stepping up to face Kurt Angle, that was a very difficult thing. It fell out of my uh, comfort zone at the time, but I felt, you know, this is what I need to do. I need to raise myself up to this level. And I, I adjusted my training in the gym and in the, the training school to prepare for this. And I'm actually very proud of the match that I had with Kurt Angle because what I did is I went to the training school and actually, you know, we dissected his match with Zack Sabre Jr. And we said, right, okay, this is what Kurt's going to be likely doing. What what can we do around this to kind of, so I can contribute something to the match, you know? Um, and I and drilled that for the weeks running up to it. And I feel that that really, really helped me to go in with ideas. I'd spoken to peers and got their opinions on it. And, you know, I wasn't really known for having good or, you know, great or even good matches at that point. But I will, you know, I don't, you know, I'm pretty honest with you guys about when I've done well, when I've done poorly. But I will say I do feel that my match with Kurt Angle is what is in the upper tier of matches he's had in, in the latter stages of her, his career, and I'm very, very proud of it. Um, but again, that's because I put in the work for that. There have been other opportunities. I was offered a, a contract with a major organization in 2016 uh, around that time that I declined because I was not, I knew I wasn't ready for the opportunity because I looked at my skill set, which was, you know, the entrances, the, the, the gimmick, the character, the promos, things I need to work on. Okay, this match with Kurt Angle went amazing, but again, you know, Kurt Angle can have a good match with a couch, so let's not get too excited about my abilities to that point. I still need to develop this side of things. The opportunity that was presented with was really going to be focused more on the in-ring stuff, which would have meant that the the things that I was really bringing to the table were kind of were not going to be utilized as much. And I thought, you know what? I think it's time for me to take a step back and to have a bit of patience here. And I'm glad I did. And it has certainly paid off. <laughs> 
So how that relates to you with making your debut is basically don't rush into it. Don't be begging for a spot on that show until the time is right. Because look at the look at this way. I wanted the first time that people saw me to go, oh damn, he's going somewhere. He's getting signed. He's he's this guy is this this guy's different. And I wanted to wait till that point. Could I have debuted in the June or July? Probably. Would it have been underwhelming? Absolutely. I'm glad I waited until the end of the year to finally debut because when I did, people knew it was my debut. So already the expectation level is quite low. So I felt like, well, you know, I'm in a position where I can over deliver on the expectation. That being said, I know people who have been in the training school for, you know, three or four years who haven't had a match yet, you know, <coughs> excuse me. And it does happen because maybe they're just not putting in the work. Um, you know, that is most likely to be the answer. Or again, we come back to the supply and demand thing. They just don't have something unique to offer the show at that point. So again, no one owes you anything in the business. But what I'm saying is you want to wait enough time that you feel that you're enough of a marketable product. You have to look at yourself as a product that you're ready to impress. But also, you don't want to wait too long that it's like, okay, I got to, you know, get going at some point. Because what I'm trying to help you understand is that if you can get yourself in decent shape, if you can have an interesting gimmick and you can be decent enough in the ring, then then it is time to go. There's no point in trying to be, because this is where the balance comes in. There's no point in trying to deliver five-star matches if you've never wrestled in front of a crowd before, because it's just not going to happen, because there are certain things that will only come with doing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of matches, and it is one of these jobs where the best way to learn is on the job. You know, the, that is the best way to learn. You just need to get out there and do it. You just need to get out there and wrestle in front of people night after night after night. And if you put off your debut too long, you're missing out on the opportunity to do that. So there is a sweet spot, people, and it depends on when that is for you. For me personally, I trained my ass off pretty much on a full-time basis for about nine months before I made my debut. And it was that was waiting quite a long time, I would say, compared to people who were at a... Uh, who had kind of started at the same time as me, but I trained a lot. I'd, I'd been at the school a lot. So um, that's kind of where I felt my sweet spot was. Thankfully enough, because I got to that point, um, I had this gimmick and I was decent enough to get into ICW. That being said, though, my first run in ICW was really just like, how can we hide the fact that this guy can't wrestle? You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's not that I couldn't wrestle like I could, but it was just like, it was more like, okay, well, let's take the, the few things that this guy can do, not too bad, and let's kind of slot it in these matches here, here, and here. You know, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it is a very, uh, it's a difficult call to make. Ultimately, it probably won't be your call. It'll probably be your trainer or the person that's willing to book you for the first time that is going to be doing that. So it probably won't be your call. But what I would do is I would urge you to approach that with a sense of maturity uh, and patience and understanding that, again, if you have gone to a reputable school, this person has produced uh, top talents. This person has done things in the business and they're looking to pass their knowledge on. Chances are they probably have your best interests at heart. Not always the case. We've seen this before. There can be, you know, if you have a prodigal talent, there can sometimes be jealousy from a, a teacher to a student. You know, if you're unfortunate enough to be in that position, um, it's difficult to advise. That's a bit of a tough one. 
but uh, for the most part, I think I'm probably willing to say that your 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 instructor probably has your best interests at heart. So if they're saying that you're not ready, it's probably for a good reason. And again, the best way to ensure that that is a, is a genuine. Uh, case being put forward is to do the research at the very start which is to find a reputable training school someone who's done something in business someone who is actually even more important than someone who's done stuff in the business someone who has produced talents produced talents that you want to be like done think produced talents who have done things that you want to do Okay, so I'm going to look at the comments again. Andrade says, uh, oh, this is a sad one, was getting bullied in school, like getting beat up every day. Uh, I still am, but this is my safe space. Your videos make me happy. I know it isn't a lot, but I will always uh, stay watching your vids, uh, working on training boxing so I can kick these bullies' asses. Uh, well, sorry to hear that, Andre. That's, uh, that's unfortunate. That's a tough one. Um, I'm sure all of us can probably... Uh, empathize with that on some level my advice would be check out uh, jiu-jitsu and amateur wrestling they're probably the most effective uh, self-defense martial arts i would very much recommend jiu-jitsu um it, these days it's, it's very very effective for that situation and i hope that you uh make some ground with that situation and sorry to hear that that is going on so um let's get back to the debut so again let's say you've you've gone through all that the person has told you that you're going to make your debut so what i will say is this is going to be a very extreme situation you're going to when you make your debut you're going to experience a rush that you have never experienced in your entire life one thing that people don't prepare you for as well is the speed that you will do things in your debut because you're nervous you're going to have all this pent-up energy you're excited you're nervous probably uh, i would say in equal measure but no your nerves are probably going to rank high above your excitement so when you do your debut, when you get into that situation, again, nerves is something I experience to this day. Um, and actually, I've made mistakes fairly recently because when I got into the match, I wasn't able to settle into the match because I tried to do something out with my comfort zone immediately, which made me mess something up in the match. So my advice from what I've learned, even from just a few weeks ago, is to avoid that situation is to go back to your muscle memory. So if you're making your debut, a bad idea is probably going to be to do lots of things that you've only done once or twice or that you haven't done before. You want to start the match with something that you have done thousands of times, that you have thousands of repetitions doing, so it is in your muscle memory. So even if you forget absolutely everything in your mind that you wanted to do, your muscle memory is going to do the work for you. It is, it is just going to somehow subconsciously carry you through that because your body has gone through the thousands of repeti repetitions. My uh, judo coach who uh, coached Olympians, who was at the, the Olympics himself, basically said that you want to do techniques so many times that you don't have to think about doing them and I think this the same can be said for, for professional wrestling that's where you want to be with your offense and the things that you're doing because in your first match you're going to be a bag of nerves it's going to be a very weird awesome amazing experience it will be the best most intense thing to that point that you've ever done in your entire life you won't believe that this feeling was even possible to achieve you know um but it will be an amazing feeling but it's probably going to you're not going to be thinking the most logically um you're not going to be relaxed you're going to be a bit sort of 
uh, overwhelmed with what's going on. So that would be my, when you're thinking about making your debut, don't be bullied into doing anything that you haven't done thousands of times before. Um, because again, you don't want to freak out. You don't want to uh, you know, endanger yourself or your opponent. You want to be uh, sticking to the basics, if you will, um, and getting yourself in a situation where if things do go wrong, your your muscle memory will just pull you through. Um, which is kind of what happened to me. I actually, uh, actually got uh, semi-injured in my first match, and it was kind of uh, a difficult situation in my first full uh, match uh, in front of an audience. And you know, it was a quite a stressful situation, but thankfully I got through it again because I'd I'd done that thousand repetitions to get me through so that would be my advice for that uh, the other thing is before your debut you're probably going to have to decide what name you're going to wrestle with this doesn't have to be the thing that you continue with for the rest of your career but if your experiences like mine the chances are and this has happened to so many people that you will be asked on the spot or maybe beforehand to come up with a name and you'll provide something and that will be your name moving forward because it's kind of it's just a bit of a hassle to change things once it's done. You can do it, but what I'm just saying, what you'll find is don't for your debut, don't go into it and think, oh, I'll just use this name for now and then whatever. Because in all likelihood, you're going to use that name. A promoter might hear about it, the audience might see it, and then you're going to end up with that name moving forward. So put a lot of thought into that. I'll tell you what I did. My my name is Joe Hendry. It's not Joseph. It's it's Joe Hendry. That's my name. Uh, the reason uh, we went with that name is because we've spoke about it in previous videos, but I was actually fortunate enough to get a WWE tryout before I actually even had a full match, full singles match in front of an audience. So actually at that time, um, all indications were saying that there was a kind of a, there was a chance that I might get signed, you know, quite early on. So it was like, it was a case of, you know, do... Do I come up with some, you know, name that's not mine? Or the advice that was given to me by my trainers was just, you know, why don't you just use your name? Because if you're going to get signed, then, you know, you might as well just use your name for now. And that kind of made sense. And thankfully, I was able to make a little jingle out of my name because when I tell people, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a pro wrestler, people are like, oh, you didn't look like a wrestler or whatever. You know, you get the usual chat from people. It's just like, uh-huh. Uh huh, and then they go, uh, "Oh, what's your wrestle? What's your wrestling name?" And then I go, "Oh, it's Joe Hendry." And they're like, "That doesn't have much ring to it, does it?" But thankfully, I was uh, able, as I say, able to make a jingle out of it. So I feel it does have some marketing value now. Um, and again, a name is what you make it. You can have just that. You've you've heard some of the names. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call anyone out, but there are some honking names in professional wrestling. Honking names in all levels of professional wrestling. And at the end of the day. A name is a name. You know what I mean? Just make sure it's memorable, it's marketable. Again, think of yourself like a product. Don't think of it as you. And try not to be kind of uh, too self-indulgent with your wrestling stuff as well. I'll give you an example. So not just the name. Um, but again, I think to me, just come up with something simple that's not being used by anyone. Uh, that's very important. And don't go with the whole, oh, well, there's someone in Arizona called that. But that doesn't matter because they're in America. It does matter. Just pick a different name. That one's taken, okay? If anything's taken in any way, shape, or form, you're not having it. That would be my approach, right? Um, so the other thing I would say 
with um, not getting too self-indulgent is here's the thing as well. I remember when I was a kid coming home from high school, I used to listen to wrestling themes in my on my iPod or whatever it was at the time or, or even my Walkman it might have been walking home and I remember like strutting on the way through my state on the way back home and I was imagining what my wrestling music would be and what my character would be and guess what my character was this badass that would just beat everybody up and he was the toughest guy and blah blah blah, blah, blah. so here's the deal everyone has that thought but guess what only one person on the show can do that Okay, only one person can be Goldberg. Only one person can be Brock Lesnar. You know what I mean? Again, as we spoke about before, wrestling is a variety show. And chances are, if this is your debut, unless you're built like Goldberg, then chances are you're probably not going to be going in with that or the Ryback gimmick or whatever. Chances are that is not going to be the road that they're going down with you. How happy do you think veterans of the business are going to be about throwing themselves around, making themselves look good for you, for you, squashing them in a minute? Probably not too much. So I'm just saying chances are that's not going to be the gimmick. So for me, my ideal was, my gimmick ideal was failed musician. Okay, that was my gimmick idea, failed musician. And like I say, if you look at it, that video, ICW Me and You, the first one I did, it's got something like, it's well over 100,000 hits now. Um, on that first music video that I did and the idea was just a failed musician where if I'd have gone in going because the original idea for me going into uh, ICW was I'm the, I'm the musician that's a badass and that would have fallen so flat on its face because you know that just it wasn't authentic whereas no one's going to be a, a failed musician a better failed musician than me in pro wrestling because I am a failed musician. I was one for 10 years, okay? So no one's going to be better than me at that, right? I'm just saying that failed musician has a lot more comedic uh, and dramatic intrigue to it than I'm a trainee who's this badass and going to beat everybody up. What I'm saying is don't be afraid to be a little bit self-depreciating. You can be you can be the most confident person in the world, but Actually, being able to be self-depreciating is the ultimate confidence at the end of the day. If you're willing to make fun of yourself a little bit, then that shows the ultimate confidence, you know? Again, the classic example is look at Kurt Angle, you know? Look at all the things he's done to, to make an ass of himself in order to entertain the audience. And that guy is, uh, you know, uh, amateur wrestling, Olympic gold medalist and world champion, and look at all the things that he's done to be self-depreciating to entertain the audience. So if it's good enough for Kurt Angle, it's good enough for you. So what I'm saying is, it's going to, as a trainee, it's going to be a lot more endearing if you kind of, like I say, almost make a feature of your limitation. That's a quote from Paul Heyman when he talks about ECW. He was like, listen, we can't compete with the production values of WWE. We can't compete with that. So... If you can't compete with that, be different. So rather than try and do the high production value that WWE had to a lesser quality, what they did is try to be different. So you see a lot of you know action with the roaming cam, with the, the held, with the handheld. It looked very chaotic. It was it was extreme and it was underground and it was it was bare bones. It was just it was it was raw, you know. So um, that's. That idea that Paul Heyman spoke about meant a lot to me. Make a feature of your limitation. So again, I was a failed musician. If I'd have gone in to ICW as I'm, a, I'm the musician badass, the first thing that the audience would have gone, well, what, what band's he in? 
what who, who is he is it is he is he a well-known singer oh right no so he's a failed musician who's come over as a wrestler all oh, right very good see you later off you go the audience would have rejected it right whereas if you just come out there and go failed musician you know i was just basically trying to be the david brent of professional wrestling with a music setting mixed with some early kurt angle that failed musician character if you go in and address um if you address what people are going to criticize for you right off the bat then you're a step ahead of your competition you know it's like everyone's seen that famous scene in eight mile the one where they're in the rap battle and eminem uh, just basically rips himself for a verse and then passes it over to his, his opponent who's got nothing to say about him because he's already just said it all. You know, that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. You're a trainee at the end of the day. No one is expecting, again, you to be this uh, this world champion overnight. Obviously, it's good to aspire to be that, but I'm just saying don't be afraid to address what some people think may be your downfall. For me, it's what got me over in the first instance. So just don't be afraid of that is, is the other thing that I was going to say. Um, another thing that sounds really obvious before making your debut, one thing that you want to do is, is you want to speak to your trainers, you want to speak to uh, people that you're doing seminars with, but you want to make sure that you're not kind of treading on anybody's toes. Again, if Stone Cold Steve Austin is doing the Stone Cold Stunner, um, how good an idea do you think it would have been for someone who had a dark match to show up at the venue and do a stone cold stunner in the opening match probably not a very good idea so basically that's just one example but what i would say is just be on your tiptoes about not uh look you, you're gonna piss some people off all right even just by being successful he's too he's too good this early damn it he's he's too charismatic he's too good about whatever it is you know she's too athletic she's too this you, you're going to get criticism no matter what you do. You can't please everybody, right? But just don't bulldoze your way around the locker room, not giving a crap about anybody else, right? You have, of course, you have to be focused on your own thing. You have to be absolutely focused on what you're doing and you have to give 100% to it. But be respectful of the people who have come before you because, look, I got into professional wrestling in 2013 and that was like just before the big boom, that was kind of, that was while the first ICW documentary was being filmed. So that was b just as the kind of boom was just about to happen. So I am lucky in that I got into professional wrestling at the exact right time. But what I didn't see was the work that had gone on years before that. You know, the work that had gone on uh, for, for years and years and years where people were slogging away on the scene and they weren't getting the proper rewards for the work they were putting in. And then here I am, you know, I walk in and get a tryout in my first year. I can understand, um, I can understand why, sorry, I'm just keeping an eye on the comments. I can understand why people were kind of a bit miffed about that at the start. At the end of the day, I'm getting an opportunity. I'm going to take that. You know what I mean? Like, screw everybody that doesn't want me to take that. I'm going to take that opportunity. Because why not? They, they know I hadn't had a match before. It was a learning experience, you know, so I was willing to take that experience. Again, it's a tough one. When I say be patient about your opportunities, if you get offered a, a try, you know, don't turn that down. That's going to be a learning opportunity for you. So just, you know, be, uh, don't, I don't want you guys to misinterpret what I'm saying. If you do get an opportunity to go and learn from the WWE or AEW or ROH or anyone like that, you know, do take that opportunity. Absolutely. Um, so that would be 
we got on a bit of a tangent there but again um we're just kind of going through some stuff here someone asked um how do you uh, so um someone's asked here how did i decide on my finisher the thing is to be honest with you like i'm still working on my move set i'm going to be changing things up a little bit but the reason that i chose the freaking nature which is now basically a snap followaway slam so um it's slightly different from the regular followaway slam where you throw your opponent as far as you can what i do is i basically uh, hold them in a bit tighter than they would usually go before you release them and i kind of just drop them very close to where i am but with uh with more impact um so i realize as well that the uh for those who are watching live and you're hearing uh music in the background when someone subscribes there is a there's a tune in the background it won't be in the podcast but it is in the twitch broadcast so thank you very much to alpha hour for subscribing much appreciated um but yes the what i would say when you're early in wrestling to be honest my philosophy with wrestling all the time is basically i don't want to hurt anybody me, I'm a very guilty person, you know, even when I've not done something, but I couldn't live with myself if I dropped someone on their head and they got hurt or if I if I knocked someone out or I would, look, accidents happen, but I don't think I'd cope very well with that. So the moves that I have chosen to do, um, you know, my DDT, my neck breaker, my freaking nature, which is the fallaway slam, the ankle lock, I've chosen things that I know I can execute a thousand times without sending somebody to the hospital a million times you know so uh oh no don't apologize alpha thank you for the subscription much appreciated um so that again you have to go in with it it is a it's a, an individual sport if you will you're all you're all you're trying to achieve your goals but at the end of the day we are working together so you must make sure that you're not injuring people that is a priority so don't just go oh, you know, this is what I'm going to do, and that's that. Go, this is what I want to do, but can this be executed safely? Go to the trainer, try it out with the crash mats if possible. Is it safe? Can you do it 10 times? Can you do it 100 times? Can you do it 1,000 times without injuring someone? Or would you injure someone three out of those 1,000 times? That's too much for me. Each to their own, but for me, I don't want to be responsible for injuring anybody. So I've always decided to err on the side of caution when it comes to that. That's just me. But again, you know, different strokes for different folks. Um, so basically, we've talked about the moves. We've talked about uh, the, the preparation that needs to go in. We talked about the importance of, here's another thing, folks, is physical conditioning. You know what, earlier when I said about uh, the fact that you were going to be, that the nerves we're going to be all over the place to an, to an extreme. You're going to feel a feeling that you've never felt before. So in your training school, you're going to basically, you're going to do, if, if you kind of, ex, if, you, if you were to wrestle a match in the training school and then wrestle the exact same match in front of an audience, you wouldn't believe how much more tired you're going to be when you're in front of an audience because the nerves, it just, it seems to take the gas right out of you. You see it when you watch UFC. There's people who make their UFC debut and they're just, they're just huffing and puffing and breathing. They just, it's just a whole new animal when it's in front of an audience. It drains you. So make sure that you are more than prepared when it comes to the, the, 
the conditioning side of things before you make your debut. You really need to be, because unfortunately, there's nothing that you can really do in the gym to adequately prepare you for how the nerves are going to take away from your ability to perform. And I have seen people come to the gym who are in amazing shape, amazing shape. But when it came to executing those drills in front of Robbie Brookside, couldn't get through four or five repetitions. Uh, just because they hadn't, they were nervous about the situation, and they just couldn't do it. So over prepare when it comes to the conditioning. Uh, that's something that I would certainly uh, advise you to do. Uh, the other thing as well is when you're making your debut, it's about kind of giving something back as well. Because if we're being honest, the likelihood is that if you're making your debut, you're probably not going to be shifting a lot of tickets based on your name alone. Like, for where I'm at in my, in my career, right, I would like to think that if a local promotion books me, they put up the graphic, they put up a promo, whatever, they're going to sell, you know, however many more tickets, right? And I feel like I'm contributing something to, you know, to why I'm getting paid, right? But if you're, uh, if you're a trainee and you're just starting, people won't know who you are. You know, unless you've got phenomenal marketing skills, which has happened, and I encourage you to go down that route again. That's the route I tried to go down with my uh, with my music videos at the start. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I'm sorry, again. I'm just keeping uh, I'm just keeping an eye on the comments just now. But again, I again I get lost. It's very hard actually to monitor the comments and to do this. Uh, where were we? Help me chat. Where was I? We were talking about. Ah, yes. Uh, so the chances are you're probably not contributing much to the bill in terms of from a business perspective. But you can change that. You can change that balance. And the best way to change that balance is, is what I'm about to say. How about you offer to help out flyering for the show? You know, at the end of the day, you're being given an opportunity. Why not make it worth the, the, whether it's your trainer or the promoter, why not make it worth their while to book you again? Why not hand out some flyers? That's what I did before I ever wrestled on an ICW. I used to, you know, basically take the ticket money. I would help the setting up the ring. I would do ringside security and handed out flyers, you know. So, yeah, there you go. Just just be willing to help out. So how about you hand out some flyers? Why don't you show up super early and help load in the ring? Make sure you're there to take the ring down. That's another thing as well. Once you're done with your match, you're going to be on this huge high and you're just going to be loving life, hopefully, if things have gone well. Um, if they haven't, we can talk about you know how to deal with disappointment on another podcast, but chances are you're going to be on the biggest high you've ever been on in your life. Your family and friends are there. You want to talk to them about what's just going on. You're super excited, but guess what? the the work still continues. Now it's your job to go and take down the ring and show why you are a valuable member of the team. And that's go and help take down the ring. Go and do what needs done. Go and pay your dues a little bit. Go and what needs done. What needs done? How can you be of help? How can you make yourself invaluable? It's quite difficult to do when you're a trainee, but it is absolutely possible to do. How can you contribute to make sure that the promoter goes, no, I want that person there. I want that person there. So um, I've just seen a comment. Uh, Ginger Pimpernel says, obviously outside the wrestling business here, but I always thought things like flyering, ring crew, etc. were more considered the done thing rather than being seen as taking initiative. Um, well... For most places, it is the done thing. But again, that's just me 
part part of this is just me preparing you for the realities of being a professional wrestler. There might be people watching this who aren't sure, you know, what it's like to get into the business. But yes, absolutely, that is part of it. It might not be for everyone, but I know people who are in prominent positions now who didn't do the whole handing out flyers and paying their dues and stuff like that. So now that they're in a prominent position, they might have a little bit of a bad attitude. I know I could think of, reel off a few people who are in big, you know, they've got uh, huge opportunities ahead of them, but they maybe won't approach it with the best mentality because they're not used to paying their dues. You know, they think they're a ticket. So because they missed out on that early on, they maybe take it for granted a little bit. And hey, no one's perfect. I'm happy to hit, sit here and tell you that I there are times where I wish that I had realized the opportunity that was in front of me. Um, and don't get me wrong, I've you know I, I I did my bit, but so it's not in terms of kind of helping out. But I'll just say sometimes you don't realize how you know the big opportunities until they're gone like i'll give you an example without mentioning any companies so there was one point where i was putting all my effort into one company when in fact all it would have taken was one conversation with uh one of my peers uh well not one of my peers one of my superiors to tell me that that would the other place was in fact where i should have been really focusing my efforts so we've all we've all made mistakes in the past you know it's all it's 2020 hindsight and the thing is you will make mistakes along the way and right now i'm in a position where again i'm willing to humble myself and the main reason for doing this series is i want to to show you guys that because thing is it's easy see when everything's going well it's really easy to go, okay, guys, this is how you keep yourself motivated. I want to talk to the people who kept themselves motivated when things maybe weren't going so well or they maybe weren't meeting their expectations. Like we spoke about this before. Right now where I'm at in my career, I, you know, I, I expect more of myself. But here's the key thing. I'm not putting the problem. No, that's a huge problem. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm still living my dream. It's just my goal is huge. So I, I'm putting the onus on myself to improve, to get better. And I want you guys to see the difference in me, in my physique, in my attitude, in the quality of my matches, in the the um, promotional materials I'm putting out, in the promos, in the, the YouTube content. Like I want you guys to see the improvement because I need you guys to see the day-to-day -day work that's going in. I'm going to leave you with this. You know how every single year people go, oh, 2018's my year, 2019's my year, so on and so forth. I'm not going to say that 2019 is my year because we're already in February and it's quite clearly not my year. <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way, but just, you know, there's a lot of people who are ascending to some pretty great places and you never know what can happen. That's the great thing about this business. What I will say is opportunities, you never know when they're going to come. I remember I got an offer for a major organization and I'd been slacking off over Christmas and I wasn't even close to being in the shape I wanted to be in. But that's the thing. It's all well and good to train for things that are coming, but you need to be ready at all times. I needed to make sure that I was in shape. So right now, I'm making sure that if, if I got a call from WWE or AEW or ROH or whatever, that I'm ready to go. You know, that's, that's part of it. But again, um, I'm kind of putting my ass on the line here because I'm putting the onus on myself. Everyone says, oh, this year's my year. As I've said, who knows what could happen this year? Um, it might even be my year. Who knows? But I'm not saying 2019 is my year. I'm saying 2020 is going to be my year. Because if I could pass on one thing to you, 
before you think about making your debut, in the run-up to it, it's not about this short term. It's about the long term. It's about the absolute longest of long terms. It's about consistent hard work. It's about patterns. It's about behaviors. The key word is consistency. And I hate to use these buzzwords, but it's absolutely true. It's great to have these big dreams. It's great to have these big goals. But in between these big goals, we need to have these day-to-day patterns that we adhere to and that we respect on a daily basis. Because if we don't have that, then how are we going to get to this big intangible goal all the way up here? It's not going to happen. So for me, I'm going to be giving you guys more info about the things I'm doing when it comes to my diet, my exercise, reaching out to promoters, getting new wrestling gear, new moves, new you know match ideas, new entrances, things like that. I'm going to cut you guys in, but basically, I'm going to uh, I'm I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Like as soon as I'm done here, uh, we're going to go film the entrance video that is going to play at tomorrow's show. Not only that, I have to get from Coatbridge to Manchester and pick people up and take them along the way. Um, So that takes out basically tomorrow. So it can't really be done tomorrow. So guess what? Again, I'm going to be filming till about 1, 2 in the morning, editing till about 3, 4 in the morning, and then it'll be bedtime. And then I'll get up, and we'll drive to the show. We'll get it done. But you know what? That's, again, remember in the first episode when I was talking about the art of war and it's about it's all about that speed of attack. If I do all that within this period of time and get this done, that means that people know they can trust me when I say that I'm going to do this podcast consistently every week so my listeners will return. It means that people will, bookers will want to book me now because they know I'm going to produce entrances and it will mean that the people at Defiant tomorrow are going to get their money's worth. I'm going to make sure they're going to get their money's worth in that first 10 minutes because I'm going to deliver something that nobody else else in this business can deliver. Now, I've been pretty honest about my downfalls, but I'm going to be confident about what my strengths are. And I know I'm going to deliver something that no one else walking this earth can do. And that's a pretty good feeling. That's something that can keep you up till four in the morning to edit if it needs to be done. Because at the end of the day, my goal isn't tomorrow to, you know, it's not a selfish goal tomorrow. Basically, what I'm trying to say is tomorrow, my goal is I want to entertain that audience like they've never been entertained before. That's what the entrances are about. When you go in with that intention, again, it's all about your intention. If you go in thinking, I want to be a pro wrestler because I want to be rich. I want to be a pro wrestler because I want to be famous and I want everyone to like me. Chances are you're not going to make it. You have to have a genuine passion. And to me, I'm going there tomorrow because I want to entertain like they've never been entertained before. And when I've been when I've been on the way up, that's always been what my mentality is. So keep that in mind, folks. Thank you very much for uh, watching this or listening to this if you're on the podcast. This was, I believe, uh, episode five of the How to Become a Professional Wrestler podcast. Um, if you want to support me, the best ways to do so are go to HendryShop.com, pick yourself up something nice, or if you're not able to, no worries at all. All I ask is go to YouTube.com forward slash Joe Hendry. If we could, if someone could just type that into the uh, the comments just now, that's youtube.com forward slash Joe Hendry and go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Because if you do that, the more subscribers I get, the, the easier it is for me to justify making cool content for you guys and to continue to do this. Also, as I said, we got the, uh, the Patreon is launching on the February 28th. 
and we're going to announce a 24-hour live stream as well. We're going to give a date for that soon, but the best way to keep up with everything is youtube.com forward slash Joe Hendry. Go click that link and subscribe, or if you listen to the podcast, go check that out just now and subscribe. I've been the prestigious one. I will see you tomorrow at Defiant, and if you are a subscriber, you will get to watch the entrance uh, before anybody else does on the Discord. So there you go, another reason to subscribe. Anyway, thank you so much. This has been the prestigious one, and I shall see you next time.